chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have author, director, and cannabis enthusiast. Her most recent publication released April 20th, 2015, Just Say Yes, a marijuana memoir. Catherine Hiller. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I have a question for you. How have yes. you survived 50 years of daily cannabis use? Gee, it, the question is more, <laughs> would I have survived it as well without it? Um, certainly, you know, most people who smoke pot know that it's agreeable, it's mild, it's not going to stop you functioning in the world. And so it's been part of my life for many years. So have you, have you always been out of the marijuana closet? No, of course not. I wasn't in a position to be out beforehand when I had, for instance, a regular job, you know, a nine-to-fiver. Well, that certainly wouldn't have worked. But at this point of my life, since I'm a freelance writer and editor, I can't fire myself for smoking pot, can I? And I live in a state where, you know, if they were to sign a warrant and come and look in my house and find an ounce or less of pot, they would give me a $100 citation. So I'm not risking that much at this point. And I'm coming out for all the other people in, in the United States who can't, who have very severe laws in their state or who would suffer um, job loss or the loss of their friends if they did admit to something like this. So would I've been you... hearing from these people through my website, and they're, they're really happy that I'm doing this for them. Would you consider, uh, once you came out of the marijuana closet, would you say that you had garnered more stigmatism based on cannabis use? Well, the most stigmatism was really in the comments that I've received, and basically they were in regard to the first chapter of my book that was published in the New York Times. And when that was published, there were many, many comments uh, then some people thought that what I did was terrible and outrageous and that I was a really bad parent and human being. But in my personal life, no, it's been very positive. Uh, people, you know, people tell me they're glad that they know, they never knew, they never suspected. Why didn't I share a joint with them and so on and so <laughs> forth. So, you know, that's definitely the chorus once we, uh, once we align ourselves with people that uh, are, are of like mind and, and, They've always been around us. It's an amazing thing when we get to bump into that. Yeah, yeah, I do think so. Uh, there's a, just what I've learned is there are a lot of secret smokers out there. And my mission is to get to some of those people to admit to it, at least to close friends or maybe to their doctors. And this is just part of a general, general process of educating people, of letting people who don't smoke know 
here, your neighbor and your friend smokes, and they're not some crazy lunatic. They're somebody who just prefers to get high that way rather than alcohol. Or anything else for that matter. That's there, right. There, there's, there's so many uh, problems right now with overprescription uh, drug use that, you know, it's, it's important that we have something available to us that is non-toxic and uh, non-habit forming, you know, unless, you know, it becomes a habit, but uh, anything can, I guess, become a habit, you know, uh, trying to lock the door more than once uh, <laughs> for some people can be a habit as well. Um, so could you imagine your life without cannabis? Yes, of course I could imagine it because there were periods of my life when I didn't use. For instance, during my three pregnancies, I didn't use because, well, I just didn't know. I didn't want to take the off chance that if one of my children was born, you know, damaged that I had done this through something that I could easily give up. So I gave it up then, and I gave it up for three years when I, um, in the early 90s, somehow... In the 90s, there was a general feeling of this was old and skanky and it shouldn't be done. And it wasn't part, it wasn't a cultural ideal the way it had been in the 70s and 80s. And the way it's, the pendulum is swinging back now. But there was a time when I, I felt a little ashamed of it. And then I gave it up. And so for those three years, I didn't smoke. Um, it didn't make an enormous difference, but I'm really glad that it's come back into my life. You know, uh, there for for myself, I've I've been with cannabis most of my life, and including my early childhood. And um, well, I, I found it became Your early childhood? my my early childhood. My, I'm I'm the product of a nun and a hippie, and <laughs> and my my father uh, early on he uh, he he told me that cannabis was safe, and so it was something that was just part of my existence, whether it was merely my knowledge of or my use of. And you- uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask that you weren't using it as an early child, as a young child. Oh, absolutely. I, I was uh, seven uh, when I tried it the first time. And, you know, while they, oh, they say, absolutely. And, and while they'll say that, uh, you know, it, it cobbles the brain, you know, at, at early development and potentially it could, you know, I, I, I have only uh, myself to base myself and my use on. But what I will say is that the, the difficulty that I found was simply acceptance and and uh, having having something that I thoroughly enjoyed and and could pick up and take and or or just set down and leave um, having yeah. having you know the uh, the stigmatism associated uh, prevented me from maybe going after certain jobs because well you know they might test me or you know uh, various things like that and so you know I I wonder to to a degree did you ever find yourself Perhaps not wanting to to pursue a particular avenue or a career choice because you would you would rather use you know something safer than than everything else out there. Well, I've always known I was going to be a writer, so <laughs> writers are allowed to be a little crazy and they don't get drug tested, so it wasn't really uh, a problem in my particular career arc. But there was there were a period of eleven years when I was selling advertising space. Now, I certainly wasn't getting tested in that particular job, but it wasn't the kind of job that marijuana smoking went well with. You know, I obviously didn't want to be high with a client. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't make as good a case for my, <laughs> my sales presentations. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> you know, I did. There was one client who was very cool, and I did end up smoking pot with him. And we had a very long and happy relationship uh, as as client. And, and he, you know, in other words, he bought the back cover of my journal for many years, and that was wonderful. Was it because we smoked pot together? I don't think so. But I think I don't think it hurt. It helped establish a bond, a slightly roguish bond, let's just say. I do want to go back to something you said earlier, and you were talking about marijuana as a, a, a drug or an ebriant or a plant that has no side effects. And I think this is really an important thing to stress because there are so many psychoactive drugs that people use, and almost all of them have dreadful side effects to the thyroid, to the liver, to the brain itself. And and people are routinely just popping these pills because their psychopharmacologist recommends it. And truly, you know, we have an alternative which is safe, which has no side effects, which now people are starting to learn is in fact good for the human body. And still people are afraid to take it. So I think it's important that somebody who seems kind of normal and professional and safe and, <laughs> and a little older, too, like myself, <laughs> is out there and, and letting people know that, look, there's an alternative. Maybe you can't throw away your Xanax today, and maybe you need to take your stimulant, your Adderall, and maybe a touch of Wellbutin is what someone's added to your cocktail. But if you can try to wean yourself off it, you might find there are some, there's something else out there that could do you a lot of good and not do you a lot of harm. And that's exactly the message right there. We, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, Catherine Hiller, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. 
chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Catherine Hiller, author of Just Say Yes, a marijuana memoir. We were uh, talking about, uh, you know, cannabis use for 50 years and, uh, you know, uh, what happens when you uh, enter or exit the marijuana closet. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's been fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you were you were making some excellent, excellent comments uh, just earlier about, uh, you know, potentially weaning yourself off of uh, dangerous uh, psychotropic drugs that uh, – Honestly, we're we're guinea pigs for generally. You know, they just keep tossing a spectrum of drugs at us to to see if it uh, if we react and and you know either negatively or positively. And uh, un- unfortunately, you know, the the scattergun effect is 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 a terrible approach when we have something that is, as you said, you know, it's it's non toxic, it's non harmful, and generally shows more of a benefit than a negative. That's true. I mean, we're learning more and more about this plant and and its many, many benefits. And that's been a true education for me. I am a person who's been using it, you know, recreationally since I was 18 with a couple of gaps, but basically every day since that time. But its medical properties are quite astonishing and are part of the way that marijuana is becoming a legitimate product and fact. There are many people who consider it a wellness product, and that kind of positive approach is something that I really resonate with. So, so having used cannabis as long as you have, you obviously you were you were there when you saw when when normal first sprung out of the the grassroots, and there was a, a dramatic shift uh, during the seventies to try and legalize cannabis. So, did you? Are you, are you shocked that it's it's actually taken as long as it has to begin the steps towards a legal regulated market? Yes, I am. In in the seventies, for instance, when almost everybody was smoking pot. I'm not talking about hippies and would be hippies. I'm talking about fraternity boys. I'm talking about you know <laughs> ghetto brothers, um, young your junior executives. I mean, everybody was smoking pot. It was a given. I don't think I went to a single party for 10 years where there wasn't a room where people were passing joints. So at the time, I certainly thought that by the year 2000, it would be legal. And in fact, of course, this is what did not happen. Culture shifts. You know, when you're young, you expect the trend will last forever. But there was a backlash. And as you know, I mentioned earlier, I think in the 90s, it was considered, you know, very uncool and People weren't doing it as much. There was a falling off. And I don't know exactly what happened to legalization efforts, but it's quite thrilling that there are four states now where you could walk in as to your corner grocery store, but instead of buying a quart of milk, you're buying, you know, a quarter of an ounce of some particular strain that a very knowledgeable salesperson is telling you what that strain is best used for. That's very thrilling. On my book tour recently, you know, I was out west, and my first state was Colorado. My second state was Washington. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I visited, first of all, I read in some dispensaries, and I visited as many as I could. I couldn't get over it, just walking in and say, well, maybe I'll have a pre-rolled joint. Thanks, I'll have that one. It was really a lot of fun. 
And that and brownie looks I amazing. That is the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually a little shy of edibles. Um, I just think that because, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are ways to use them very responsibly. But since you don't know, you know, its effects for a couple of hours, maybe, you get impatient, you start eating more, and, and then you can have a very unpleasant time. So, when I, what I found with medibles I, for I myself is. It. What I found with medibles for myself is to uh, go slow and uh, generally try it before you go to bed because Ooh. then it, uh, you know, you, you can kind of gauge where, uh, where it'll be at. And, and honestly, with, with medibles at this point in, in states that have you know, medical and recreational use, uh, they're, they're going to be uh, hopefully tested and also not only just tested for content but but randomized testing throughout the mix so they'll know exactly how well, much that cannabis that hasn't happened yet you talk, in certain you places future. that hasn't happened yet i know there's there's um, a few different i did go go ahead i was just going to say that i went to a culinary cannabis feast in los angeles and that was really charming i mean the food was exquisitely prepared and the cannabis blended into it. I didn't taste it. I didn't feel that much of a high either, but it was a lovely experience with fabulous people. They're called Elevation VIP and they will prepare a feast at your house if you have the right medical card. <laughs> so now that is are. magical. Great that is absolutely magical. magical. They were... So it the... They're, they they can be very scary and and you know quite frankly there there was a time for myself that uh, I had a, a a little shortbread cookie freshly baked for uh, myself mm-hmm. for Christmas and uh, I popped one in my mouth and uh, within I would say about an hour I was almost to the point where I I felt I needed to go to the hospital mind you I did not because I knew wow. that I would not uh, you know I would not it's not toxic it was just unpleasant. So definitely, you know, I think what medibles are, symptoms? you know, uh, hot and cold flashes, uh, nausea, uh, dizziness, very pronounced no, dizziness. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and wow. and basically it turned into one of those things where you where you jump in bed and you you lay there and and I laid there for about seventeen hours. <laughs> My God, that was quite a cookie. It was it was the size of a shortbread. I mean, it was literally no more than two inches in diameter, and it was. Powerful, very powerful. And I had a 10 of these afterwards, and so they got cut up into, you know, tenths and twelfths of pieces uh, because that was a more appropriate <laughs> dose than one of them. And it's absolutely imperative that we – and it's imperative that we, we get to a point where we have, you know, a, a <clears throat> titration. And, and I'm a big fan of titration where uh-huh. it's – you find your lowest effective dose because for myself, you know, I, I, I like – I like cannabis, of course, and and for me, it it, it allows me or affords me space in my mind to potentially just not be an asshole. And I I feel that that is an amazing attribute to have anything that can give you. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that I need to be blitzed out of my brain. It means that I I just have a a little role and and I no longer feel the propensity to maybe pop off with an answer that I, I potentially should not have. Mm-hmm. And, and so well, titration, you know, and, and for the the elderly as well, because they don't necessarily always want to get high, you know, they just want to, you know, have have some easement. 
on on their their woes but you know potentially if they're unfamiliar with the the sensations and and so that's one of the things that I, I also like to to inform people of is finding what the lowest effective dose can be for you mm-hmm. I think that's a very smart thing also with elderly or other people I think that the, this is an exploding the whole area of cannabis is this year of course just Hopping over. I mean, there are so many websites and newspapers and industry groups, and you know, it's all very thrilling. But one of the things we're learning is you can use this medicine without getting high. And so, you know, to me, like, oh, what's the point? Why would you give up the euphoria? But, you know, for many, <laughs> I've never understood that. I've read these journal articles with these researchers. Of, now our problem is to remove the euphorian effect. And I'm thinking, gee, what problem that is. But but seriously, at this point, they have been able to do that, more or less, with, with different strains, some which are stronger in cannabidiol and some which are stronger in THC. Um, so for the elderly, you know, there can be ways to get relief from arthritis, let's say, or glaucoma, and not get high. And for certain groups of people, for instance, take the young people that are, you know, the, the families that are moving to Colorado so their children will stop teasing because they can get in Colorado a kind of marijuana, which the kid can have, which is called Charlotte's Web, and which cuts down on these horrible seizures they have. So the kids are not getting high. They're just getting medicine. And, and that's wonderful, of course. And and it's it's changing a lot of people's lives. Um, we have uh, we have a, a dispensary owner here in in Arizona, and his uh, daughter has a, a Kari syndrome, and uh, he he actually got into cannabis specifically to to be able to to provide a strain to prevent her ailments uh, with her seizures, and uh, she's been doing miraculous. And and it's it's an amazing thing that uh, you know all of a, all, all along we uh, we had the ability to uh, utilize this plant. For benefit, and and not necessarily our detriment, and, and we've been taught all these years that uh, cannabis was uh, was bad for you, and it would uh, you know make you go crazy, or or you know or you know rewind a little bit further, and it would make darkies you know think that uh, they were as good as white folk, and it's it's unfortunate that and it that, would make white women <laughs> it would make white women desire black men. That exactly. was the thing that Anslinger was really obsessed with. And so he thought that because jazz musicians used it and they had a following among white people and black people, but they thought that it was all about, you know, <laughs> women <laughs> feeling desires of African men. So this was just, of course, a horror for him. But you have to remember, and I'm sure you, if you're knowledgeable on the subject, but perhaps your listeners don't know, that cannabis was used as a medicine routinely throughout the 19th Forever. century. It, it was part of every... Yeah, right. It's true for for many many years before that. But I mean, in America, it was part of your doctor's bag, and you always had some because it was so universally uh, useful. It could relieve menstrual cramps, it could relieve movement disorders, it could you know brighten your mood. So it was there, and it was used, and it was used as cannabis. And when Anslinger began to demonize it, he very deliberately called it marijuana, which was a sort of a lower word that was associated with dirty Mexicans and so on. This is what his terminology, of course. You know I don't think that Absolutely. in any way, shape, or form. I have to be very clear about that. But, Absolutely. So that and one of the best medicines. Then. 
Yeah, one of the best medicines that was yeah. ever available to us has been kept down based on on racial propaganda through you know the last eighty years. We got to take a quick break. Uh, with us tonight, Catherine Hiller. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Catherine Hiller, author of Just Say Yes, a Cannabis Memoir. Catherine, we've been talking about some some really in-depth, fun topics, but I really I want to talk about your book. And and honestly, I'm, I'm going to need to get a copy of one of these books signed. And uh, you let me know how I get one of those. I'll send the payment uh, right when we're done here. <laughs> so Certainly. 50 years of, of cannabis use and this book. Tell me about it. Well, that is the statistic that everyone seizes upon. And it's not in the book. It's in my bio at the back. But what... The, the, the flip side of that statistic and what's important part of it is not so much that I've been smoking for 50 years, which I have more or less almost every day. The flip side is that I've gotten a lot done, that I haven't just been sitting in a tent in a meadow smoking pot. Uh, so it's important for people to realize that you can have a very productive life and achieve your goals and still be smoking pot. So I've written, you know, I've, I've had five novels published. I've had one of my books praised by John Updike. I make two documentary films. And my most important products are my three fabulous young men, my children. And, and I've had a delightful time raising them. 
I have a happy marriage now. I feel I've been a very lucky person. And smoking pot has not gotten in the way of any of that. In fact, I absolutely believe it's enhanced my life in all of those areas. In my profession, it's helped me be loosen up and get into writing more easily. One of the reasons one of my films was made was I was fascinated by the writer Paul Bowles, who lives in Morocco and smoked a lot of hashish. <laughs> and basically, it's been an inspiration for me. And I wanted to write the book because no one else had done, had come out and said that they were able to achieve, you know, a, a very happy life while smoking pot. I thought that someone should come out and do it and you know, for a writer to find a new topic, that's a real magnet. So I got very excited <laughs> when I realized, really, I would be the first one to do this. So that's why I wrote Just Say Yes, a marijuana memoir. So uh, what's next? Any any other documentaries? Any uh, Any other book ideas that are coming out? Well, yes. First of all, I have a novel. I'm basically write fiction, and I lead a book group, and I never let them read memoirs. I said, oh, no, no, we've got to read fiction. It's so much more interesting. And they're just <laughs> laughing at me. They said, and after all these novels, you're finally getting attention because of your memoir. And I said, yeah, you're right. I didn't really even funny. <laughs> what this is happening, what's next for me is right now I have been, I feel that this movement has chosen me. And I feel much more firmly that now, this is not just a habit, I now feel like I'm an advocate. And I'm really happy to be interviewed like this and to spread this particular message. I'm also, I've started writing regularly for two marijuana websites. And so this is all very exciting for me. I'm giving, you mentioned Normal before, they're sponsoring a book signing for me in September near Boston. So this is a very exciting part of my life that I have always been an activist in different areas at one point, anti-nuclear for many years as an environmentalist, as somebody who's involved in the climate change movement. So now it's just I'm sort of marrying my activism to to my hedonism, let's just say, <laughs> and also to my, <laughs> to, to my literary life. And it feels very natural and very right. But also, uh, beyond activism, I have a novel that I've written that one of the women smokes pot and the other one doesn't. And they end up having a horrendous office feud. They had been good friends at work. They had been best of friends, which was the name of the book. <laughs> but now each one of them goes after the other and it gets very violent and very uh, upsetting. And so that is my latest book. You know, I, I have a funny feeling that I'm going to be a, a fast fan of yours. So, <laughs> you know, well, it's, this it's is terrific. Thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we uh, I, I could keep going on and on with 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 this. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest, Catherine. Thank you so much for showing up. Uh, we we definitely appreciate it. And thank you, folks, uh, for for joining us on this edition of the State of Cannabis. Catherine Hiller. You can also find her book. At uh, actually, it's uh, CatherineHiller.net slash just underscore say underscore yes underscore a underscore marijuana underscore memoir dot com. And uh, you guys have been wonderful. We will see you. We will hear you. And we will talk to you again in the very near future. We uh, can be found on uh, 
iTunes. You can follow us on uh, iHeartRadio. Obviously, you can find us at uh, CannabisRadio.com. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We'll talk to you again soon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.